last time we learned, I mentioned to you the challenge of tshuva on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is different than the whole year round. I mentioned this according to Rabbi Yona. Someone pointed out to me that I didn't overlook, and the Rambam is also there. In the Rambam, there, the same Rambam that I was reading, I didn't notice the whole thing. The Rambam said, Eric Beis Avachazayim. In Perak Beis Halachazayin, the Fechus Tshuva, the Rambam said, Yom Kippurim Uzman Tshuva Lakol Ayachet V'Larabim. Yom Kippur is the time for Tshuva. Ketz Mechilu Slichal Yisrael. That that requires a little bit of explanation what it means. Lefichach Chayavim Makol Asos Tshuva Lezvados Me'am Kippurim. Therefore, it's a chiyuv to do Tshuva in Yom Kippur. So last week I mentioned this in Rabbi Yona. To me, said it's Tshuva in the Rambam also. Whether there's a mitzvah a whole year round of Tshuva in the Rambam, that's something we discussed. But that there's a special mitzvah in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, the Ram says it's true. So last time I tried to explain the nuance and the difference between the truth of Yom Kippur and the truth of all year round. So the truth of all year round, I said, is to fix a chayt. I did something wrong, I should fix it. If I did 22 things wrong, I should fix them. And if I only fixed 20, so I didn't finish, but I did something. Yom Kippur, I said, according to Abenu Yonah, the chiyuv is titaru. So I said, it's all or nothing. The fnei Hashem titaru means you should be tar. And I gave the mashal of a person who had a dirty shirt. I said, if you have 12, 12 stains, you get 11 out. That's something you'd accomplished. But the shirt's dirty. All year round, the mitzvah is to get rid of each individual avera. But Yom Kippur, I said, the idea is to walk into HaKadosh Baruch Hu to a state of being tar, and there you have to be completely clean. So I mentioned that that's a very difficult thing. It's a real challenge. Like, to tell a person to do tshuva, we're all starting out, right? One of the hardest things for Ramim to realize, that for us, you know, there's another year in yeshiva. Baruch Hashem, I'm a year 20 years, 30 years, whatever they've been it's another year. But it's hard to realize that when you speak to Talmidim, for them it's their first year in tshuva, of, of yeshiva. It's, it's where you're starting. And when you're beginning, so we have to realize that it's like a tchachut, it's a brand new thing, it's all exciting. It's very exciting. It's not just another year. It's, it's a very exciting year of your life. And this challenge of tshuva sounds awesome, no? I tell you, first day in yeshiva, and I say, it's all or nothing. Yom Kippur is a time when you've got to be unbelievable to her. And I mentioned last week that it's a challenge. So I said, that Kodesh Baruch promised me something. And I said to you, to remind me, I'll explain to you something that Kodesh promised I'm going to tell you something now that uh, I heard from Rav Salavechik. He said this almost casually once in a shayur, but I just, I think the idea is so important and so brilliant that I, I have explained it, I've said it many times. If I would ask you, what are the first words that a Jew says in Yom Kippur? What are they? On Yom Kippur. What's the first words that a Jew says? I'm sorry? I can't hear. What's Yom Kippur? You don't say Vurachum. Vurachum is only in weekdays, not in Shabbos and Yantif. So, what do you think is the first words? Barachum. That's definitely not true. There are words before that. Before Barachum? No, no, no. They said Sukhumitra said before, after Kodnitra. Kobach. I can't remember what you said. Right. You're right. The psukim that you say you have to call nidre. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, because they're used to coming into Shul, Yom Kippur, you say call nidre. So, oh, the first words you say in, 
in Shul and Yom Kippur Kol Nidri. That's true, but it's not Yom Kippur. It's you come into Shul before Yom Kippur, you say Kol Nidri. Kol Nidri is a tefillah of Erev Yom Kippur. But on Yom Kippur itself, the first words you say are the words after Yom Kol Nidri. The words in between Kol Nidri and Shechian. What are those words? You say, Slach na ladona mazeti godl chasecha. And we say it three times. Once, twice, three times, and then we say Shechiyana. Why do we say Shechiyana when Shul Yom Kippur and in Yantif we really say Shechiyana at home? Sounds like a stupid question, no? Every Yantif we say Shechiyana at home. Yom Kippur we don't say Shechiyana at home, we say Shechiyana when Shul. Why? So you say, I know why. Because in Yantif I make Kiddush. So when I make Kiddush, I say Shechiyana. But in Shul, in Yom Kippur, I don't make Kiddush. So I can't say Shechiyana or Kiddush. I make Shechiyana in Shul. That's true. But is there something behind that? Why don't you say, every Yantif says Shechiyana in Shul? It's true, you could say by Kiddush. True. But why should you say Kiddush? Can you say in Shul? What do you think? Yes or no? Of course you can. What's my proof you can say in Shul? Because in Yom Kippur you say in Shul. So if you can say in Shul, why don't you say early? So we have explained as follows. There's a Gemara in Erevin. The Gemara discusses when a Jew makes Shechian on Yantif. Do you make Shechian, not when, but where? The Gemara says, do you make, say Shechian a la coast? Or do you say Shechian a Mashuk? What does that mean? One opinion of the Gemara is that you say Shechin Yom Kippur, not Yom Kippur, I'm sorry. When do you say Shechin in general, in Yantif? Alakos, when you're holding a cup of wine. The other says, no, you say Bashuk. What does Bashuk mean? Without a cup of wine. It doesn't mean in the market. It means, Bechol Matzah, wherever you are, you say Shechin. Which way do we pass him? I can't hear. Or you think the answer is we pass in Bashuk? What's the proof that we pass in Bashuk? Yom Kippur. But we, somehow we have an idea to do Alakos. But if you don't do Alakos, you can do Alashuk, Bashuk. Otherwise, if, if you're right that we pass in Alakos, then why do we make Shechem Yom Kippur? So the answer you think is, ah, oh, we really make Bashuk. But Lechatchila to make Alakos. The Rav really said like this. What's the real understanding of this Gemara? What's the question? When do you say Shechianu on Yom Kippur? Do you say Shechianu on, on Yantif? Do you say Shechianu on the Kid, on Kiddush? Or do you say Shechianu Bashuk? What's really the question? So the Rav said the question is like this. When does a Jew say Shechianu on Yantif? On, on what occasion? On the fact that it is Kedushas Hayom? I've Baruch Hashem entered the Kedusha Sayyab of Rosh Hashanah, of Shavuot, of Sukkot, Baruch Hashem. I have walked into a state of Kedusha. I'm entering the state of Kedusha. Or do you say now, the reason makes, uh, the reason a Jew makes Shechian on Yantif is because he's entered the situation of Simchas Yantif. There's a mitzvah called Simchas Yantif. V'samechta b'chagecha. HaKadosh Baruch gave me a bracha. V'yisa achsameach. And I'm happy. So I make the bracha on the joy of Yantif, on Simchas Yantif. So is that, the Rav said that's what the Gemara means. If the bracha is made a la kos, what does a kos represent? 
Why? Why do we drink wine on Yantif? Goes Yayin Malay, Kivikas Hashem, Ain Simcha Elabiyai, Shinema Yayin Yisamach Levanash. Wine is the sign of happiness, the Jew holds a cup of wine, he's happy. But the other opinion is you make Kiddush Allah. But sure, you don't need Simcha's Yantif, you need Yantif. So which way do we pass him? Now it's better. Now it's Mulamdish now. Are you guys with me or not? So why is it Mulamdish now? Which way do we really say Shekhenu now? Which one? How do we really pass him now? You make, according to the way we explain the Gemara, you say Shekhenu on Simchas Yantif or Kedushas Yantif? The proof is how you say on Yom Kippur, which proves that that you say Kedushas Yom. So why do you say on Kiddush? And not in short. Because Lechatchila, make it on Simchas Yantif, make it both. Simchas Yantif and Kedushas Yantif. But with the Avad, you could make before. That's the way most people would learn. So the Rav learned not like that. The Rav learned that we paskin, that you see from this Gemara, that maybe, maybe Lechatchila, at least Lechatchila. You make the Kedah, you make Shech Yanu and Simchas Yantif. What's the Simchas Yantif of every Yantif? One. That you Basavayai, your meal. At the meal you say Kesh. Say you make Shekhin. But the Rav said Simchon Yam Kippur as well. The Ramam it's a very famous Ramam. It's, it's typical Rav Salavechik. You'll get used to learning this way in Yeshiva, but it's a very typical Rav Salvechik explanation of the Ramam. The Ram says that on Sukis, Pesach and Shariyam Tovim, there's a mitzvah to be happy. Simchas Yantif applies to Pesach, Sukkis, and Shariyam Tovim. So the is what is the Shariyam Tovim? What do you think? Sure. If the Ram thought Shruis, would he say Shariyam Tovim? Or would he say Shruis? Shariyam Tovim must be? More than other than just Shruis. So the Rav said, this is a proof in the Rambam that there's a din of Simchon not only in Shlashu Begalim, but in Mashiach Kippur as well. It's an interesting diok from the Rambam. The Rambam says in Hilchas Chanukah, why is it in Hilchas Chanukah? It's all story. The Rambam says in Hilchas Chanukah that you don't say Halel on Yom Kippur because, in Mashiach Kippur because it's a day of Emas Adin, and it's not a day of Simcha Yaseira. So the Rav explained there's a difference between Simcha and Simcha Yaseira. Simcha is in Mashiach Kippur, but there's no Simcha Yaseira. But the Simcha on Yom Kippur too. What's the Simcha of Yom Kippur? Not by eating meat, not by drinking wine. So what's the Simcha of Yom Kippur? The Simcha of Yom Kippur is the Jew walks into Yom Kippur and the Kaddish Baruch Hu promised him, you try your best and I'll do the rest for you. Kaddish Baruch Hu promised to forgive everybody in Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, that's what we read in the Rambam, it's a day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised to forgive you. So the first words you say after Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, is not Shekhyanu. I thought you told me you say Shekhyanu, that's the first words. But you precede Shekhyanu by saying the Psukim. Why do you say the Psukim? So I've explained, because in order to feel the Simchas Yantiv of Yom Kippur, what do you have to hear? 
At that point, a Jew should feel happy. What makes you really more happy? I don't mean to be, I don't want any cynics now. What really makes you happy? Eating a good steak, drinking a good glass of wine, or the feeling that you walk into Yom Kippur and HaKadosh Baruch promise you, Simcha is only filling your stomach? Isn't there a, a, an unbelievable feeling of simcha that you should experience when he walks into Yom Kippur and Hashem says, Salachti Kedvarecha? At that point, when a Jew is filled with simcha, that's when he makes Shekhyam. That's Rav's explanation of two points that I wanted to make to you. One, I said last week, it's a little discouraging. It's hard to do tshuva. It really is hard. To do tshuva of the whole year round is not as hard. But to do tshuva of Yom Kippur is really hard. But Akash Baruch promised me, that's the comforting feeling that a Jew should have. That's one thing. That's the reason I mentioned this. The second thing is I tried to explain to you why do you say Shechianu in Yom Kippur in Shul after saying Nesutukim. So I said over the Rav's chat. Because I talked to you about the idea of uh, Kaddish Baruch who's promised to you about Tshuva and how even though it's hard to do Tshuva so I wanted to begin learning a parak of the Raman with you that Normally, I don't learn. Usually, I do learn Hilchus Shuvah the first two, three prakim, and and that's all we get. But because I raised this issue, I'd like to learn tonight with you, Perik Zayin of Hilchus And I'd like I'm going to say over stuff. Some of it is printed in the book of the Rav called Dala Tshuva. Some of it is not printed, but I'd like to explain a little bit what's going on. For those people that have a Rambam, please open up Perik Zayin Hilchus there are ten prakim of Hilchus Tshuva. I mentioned this last time. What's the structure of Hilchus Tshuva? In Perak Aleph and Perak Beis, the Ram talks about doing Tshuva, the mitzvah of Tshuva. In Perak Gimel, the Ram talks about how Hakadosh Baruch Hu makes the din, how he works it out. Who, who's a tzaddik? Who's a rasha? Who's an apikarius? Who's a me? In Perak Dal, the Ram has a list of 24 things that are Ma'akev Tshuva. I once read that before in my high school class. When I was teaching high school, I once read this Perak with him. 24 things the Ram say hold back a person doing Tshuva. And we looked at ourselves and we realized that most normal guys have at least 20 of them. The 24 things that hold back Tshuva, it's a very big thing. In Perak Hay and Perak Vav, all of a sudden the Ram comes from a different attack in general. I said, in, here he's talking about tshuva and how to do tshuva and who can do tshuva and what holds back from tshuva. Perakei and perakvav, the hilchos tshuva is where the Ram talks about bechira chavshis. All the problems that are raised by this common problem that we all know about bechira chavshis, it's all in the Ram and perakei and hilchos tshuva and perakvav. That itself is unusual. If you were the Rambam and you were writing your book, this whole thing which tries to encompass everything. Where would you put it? Where would you put Bechir uh, Chavshis? Where would you put it? You say maybe Yisari Torah. It's got to be someplace, right? He's not going to put it in Hilchus, I don't know, in Hilchus Shechita. He's going to put it someplace. So, what? The Raman thinks that the Sefer Mishnah Torah doesn't include what you just call normative halacha. Right? Sefer Mada. The whole book of Sefer Mada. The whole, 
you know the Shulchan Aruch and the Rambam are different in that respect. The Shulchan Aruch really only has what you call practical halacha. The Rambam has everything. The Rambam discusses the, the stars and the moons and the suns and, and, and health and everything else. The Rambam talks the Midas. The Rambam has everything here. So he thinks he has everything. So he's got the Pechir Chafs. Where would you put it? Some people said you'd put it in Yisrael Yatavah. Could be. Other people said I put it in where the Ram put it, But if you would put it, where would you put it? In the middle or in the beginning? At the end. Why in the middle? That's what the the Rav pointed out. Something typical of the Ram. Why is it in the middle? Now let's start with Tarek Zayin Halachalik. The Rambam says here, "Howil Rishus Nesunalok Kamosh Biyano." Since everybody has Bechira Chavshis, Rishus Nesuna Chaladim. Everybody's Rishus. That's what we learned in Ilchus Parakei and Paragvav that you have Bechira Chavshis. Yishtadel Ha'adam Lasos Tshuva. A person should try to do Tshuva. V'linar Kapav Mechatav, and he should his take, like, shake away from his hands, shake away all the sins. Kadeshi Yamus Lubal In order to die as a Balchuva. Kadeshi Yiske Lechei Lamaba. In order to attain Olamaba. The Olam Halachabes, Yira Adam Asatsmu Kilonotalamus. Person should look as if he's dying. Vishema Yamus Beshato. Maybe you're going to die today. Vinims Ami Bechetav, and you're going to be Gevald, you're terrible. Therefore, Yashiv Mechatav Miyad, you should do Tshuva immediately. A person should not say, Well, I'll do Tshuva when I'm older. Shema Yamas, maybe he'll die. Before he gets old. That's what Shlomo said. You should always wear white clothes. It means, allegorically, you should always be clean. You should have oil on your head. It means you should always be in a state of purity. Why is this realm really difficult? What do you notice about this Ram that's very difficult? I didn't it doesn't say it didn't work. It's just it's not a good idea. Right, that's not what Ram's talking about. But if he seems to be saying that it might work, you just might die before that. <coughs> the Ram's you're talking about a case where I'll do the Avera tomorrow and say that I'll do the Avera tomorrow and I'll and I'll do Tshuva. But I'll do Tshuva the day after tomorrow. That, I said, doesn't work. And the Ram is talking about a case where I did the Avera yesterday. So I should, the Ram says, do Tshuva today because you might die tomorrow. But if you do Tshuva, it works. And if you wait till tomorrow, it also will work. Just Ram says not to wait. Yes? Those Tshuvas are Shuvas. The Ram, where does Ram say Tshuvas are Shuvas? What does it mean? What does the words mean? Uh, first of all, I explained it already. But besides, if I explained it, what does the word "rishus" me here mean? Because the person has bechira chafshes. He's referring to what he just learned in Parakei and Parakvav. A person has all the rights to do whatever he wants. There's bechira chafshes. Doesn't mean he has rishus to do tshuva. Because he has the rishus to do whatever he wants, therefore, should do tshuva. What's the problem? What, anything else bothers you? That's what we discussed the first week we met. 
The first week we met, we discussed, is there really an obligation to, to do tshuva? And the fellows mentioned to me, I didn't really explain it as well as I usually do, because they told me that Rabbi Tarrington spoke about it in Shir. So I didn't get so much involved. Whether tshuva is a mitzvah, I pointed out that it's a machlokas between Rav Kook and Rav Salavechik. Rav Salavechik thinks that in the Ram there's a chiv to do tshuva. Rav Kook didn't think so. He thought it was only a, the mitzvah's vidu, if you're doing tshuva, you have to do Anybody? It seems like you have to be doing shoe every second. That's not a bad idea. That's not a kasha, right? We're just saying that. Seems to me you got to do shoe all the time. There are two things that bother me in this Ramam very much. One is words of the Ramam, and two is a concept that I have trouble with. The the word in the Rambam, read it, look it carefully. Hovil Rishus Kaladam Nisunelo. Because a person has Bechir of Chavshis, Yishtad Eladam Asos Tshuva. What does Yishtadel mean? You should try. Can you imagine that I'm ready? You should, you should try to put on film? You should try to daven? You should try to be good? You should try to learn? Halacha stated very normatively. This is what you have to do. It's hard to, you know, in our generation, maybe it's really hard for you guys. I'm a very old-fashioned person. So, I think that's the way I teach, and that's what I learned. You don't have a choice. I mean, you do have a choice, right? But you got to do it. I'm not going to tell guys in the Shiva you have a choice to daven or not tomorrow. Today, in modern education, you tell all the kids, you, you know, that's the way they teach kids. They, well, you know, I'll give you two choices. You can do this or do that. They tell kids always, don't be manchit. Don't tell them what to do. Let them, you know, have their choices. That's new fashion. I'm old fashioned. You're not going to tell a kid you have a choice of going in the street with your eyes closed, your eyes open. You have to tell him that it's true that theoretically you have the right to walk in the street with your eyes closed, but you better walk in with your eyes open. I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do to you. Right? That's what the Torah says, right? The Torah says there's Chaim and there's Mavis. There's Tov and there's Ra. What does Uvacharta Bachayim mean? you got to choose good. Do I? It's true there's Bechir Chavshis. But <laughs> that means you have the right to choose whatever you want, but I'm telling you to do the right thing. What is Ishtadov? What does it mean try? That word bothers me very much. You know, it's interesting because today you don't have to be a big time Chacham for certain things. Bikiyas is a lost art. Because today you can find anything you want in 20 seconds. I have a good library at home. And you can ask me almost anything you want about things I know nothing about. Within a very short time, I can say a share about it. I have not to use my books. I know how to figure out everything. The word yishtadel always bothered me in the Rambam. Today, it's very interesting. Computer. How many times does the Rambam say yishtadel? So the truth is, I found another place. I didn't use a computer because I don't know how to use a computer. But then I don't have the right things at home to use the computer. So some guys will do it and look up Yishtadel and tell me how many more there are. But I found three places in the Ram with the word Yishtadel, but only one besides this is like this. And there also, I have to say, a pshat. The Ram says a person should try to eat carbon Pesach before the, it, before the time it's over. That really got me. What do you mean? That, really went, that one really got me. I have to say pshat in that Ram. What do you mean Yishtadel? A person should try to eat the carbon Pesach before Chatzos. I found that very difficult. I have a pshat, but it's a very difficult thing. But here, the yishtadel really drove me crazy. What do you mean yishtadel? you got to do it. 
That's number one. That's the problem of a word. The other problem that bothered me in the Ramban is a strange problem that might not bother you. The Ramban here points out that you should think about that. I'm talking now to kids who are, you'll forgive me for saying kids, you're grown-up men, but you're, how old are you? 18. 18. When were you 18? Your last birthday. When's your birthday? In May. In May. ER. So he was just 18. Shortly. So I go. There are people here who might be 19, maybe. But I'm talking to kids who everybody thinks that my my normal life expectancy is another 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Right now you think 70 is, is old. But when you get to be 50, 60, you'll think 70 is not so old. Yeah, then you'll think 80 is old. But you're normal. You never, did you ever think about it? Did you ever think about it? What's my normal life expectancy? Oh, you're young. You're going to live forever. And the Ram says, all of a sudden, guys, I'm talking to 18-year-old kids. That a person, look at this, it's sad, no? You're going to die. Rav Gurelik was a Rebbe in NYU who was very sarcastic. He was very, very clever, very sarcastic. And legends about him in NYU. It's before your time. It's way before your time. But he's a legend of people of my age. So he used to talk and show you're going to die. I, I don't mean you. You're going to live forever. I'm going to die. It's, it's not nice to tell people you're going to die. The Rams all of a sudden talking about death. Is that really something very healthy to talk about and think about? Should we really dwell upon death? There were two different schools of thought in Europe about this. In Europe, there were different types of yeshivas. There was a yeshiva that like Nevardic. And there was a yeshiva like Brisk. And there was Slabatka. There were different approaches. Does anybody know what Nevardic stood for? This is Nevardic all the way. Nevardic talked about breaking man, breaking his spirit, explained to him that you're garbage, you're nothing but nothing, and therefore you should aspire for more. In, in the Vardic, it's famous in the Vardic that uh, the idea of explaining that you, the, the, the greatness of the Vardic is to explain to you that you are nothing. <laughs> There's a famous story about the Vardic that after a guy was in yeshiva for a week, he came to the Chodesh He's in yeshiva, they're really working in the Elul because they really worked in Muslim. So the guy sitting in the basement, it's his first week. And all of a sudden, he sees one of the Elterim. You know what Elterim means? Elterim is one of the older guys in Yeshiva. Well, a guy who's known to be a wow. So all of a sudden, in the middle of Seder Erev, when they're learning Musr, the guy runs up to the Aron Kodesh and screams very loudly, I'm gongish mit gongisht. I'm totally nothing. Totally effes. The whole Yeshiva goes, wow. You know? And he walks around, I'm totally garbage. Nothing but nothing. Okay. He was very impressed. A week later, he's learning Musar again. And he sees another guy, another elder, another very chash of a guy. In the middle of the state of Erev, he runs up and screams, I'm nothing but nothing. So, wow, you know, she was impressed. So the third week, he's nonish into it, he's learning Musar. So this guy is now three weeks in Yeshiva. So he runs up to the Bima, and he goes, Oh, I'm garnished with garnished. And Yeshiva says, Eh. He's only here three weeks. He thinks he's already garnished. <laughs> and you, you know, you reached the madrig of being garnished. That was the idea of Nevardik. Reb Chaim could not stand this. It wasn't that he disagreed, mildly disagreed. He thought this was terrible. 
He thought, did you ever kiss anybody or love anybody who tells you you're great and I love you and you're wonderful? You ever like a guy like that? If I come into the class and say, you're garbage, but garbage, are you going to like me? Are you going to feel close to me? Are you going to feel this is a rap that I want to learn with? Reb Chaim thought this was mamish terrible. He thought this approach was unbelievably bad. In Sabatka, they thought it was bad. Sabatka was also Muslim Shiva. What did they do in Sabatka? They talk about Gadlasana. Man is so great. You should aspire to total greatness. Because basically, you're great. Why are you great? Because I was created by God. I'm at Salam Elohim. God made me perfect or close to perfect. And therefore, I have to reach tremendous levels. That was the difference between Slabotka and the Vardik. Uh, to summarize in one line, they used to say, the Vardik talks about Adam Rishon after he did his Avera. And Slabotka used to talk about Adam Rishon before he did the Avera. When a third yeshiva started, tells, that was the third Muslim yeshiva, nobody's here from Cleveland. Oh, you are. <laughs> Gotta be careful. So they said, so what's the point of tells? Adam Rishon before the Chayit, that was taken by Slabotka. Adam Rishon after the Chayit, that was taken by Navardik. Tells took the, the Chayit. <laughs> that's what they, that's what they emphasized. The Chayit itself. But the, the point is, this was a, a big difference in approach of Musser between Navardik, Slabotka, Rabchaim. Rabchaim really felt that thinking about that is very negative. I'll tell you an interesting thing. Rabchaim really believed the Salavechik family was afraid of death, didn't want to think about death, was not, was not involved in death. And I'll tell you a secret. that happened. I was there. I was standing there. I, I don't remember exactly what you made. It was 1965. I went with the Rav to a funeral. A certain Rabbi Fishman passed away. He was a Rebbe in Wyoming. He died rather young. You probably think he was old. and I, I, I think he was young. He was around 54 or 55, whatever. He was, I don't remember, but he was pretty young. And he died, and the Rav went to the funeral. So at the funeral, naturally, a bunch of guys stood around the Rav. You know, the Rav's there, so we all stood around. There were a bunch of guys, I have friends who happened to be, were all six foot tall, and big guys. So they used to call us the Rav's bodyguards. We used to stand around the Rav, a few guys. So we were standing around the Rav, and the Rav turned to us and said, would you do me a favor? Of course. What would you like? He said he wants to go to his father's grave, which is very nearby where we were but he's afraid to walk alone. That's what he said. He says, I want to walk to my father's grave. So of course we walked with the Rav to this father's grave. And he said to us in the way that his father died in 1941, I think. This was 1965. He has never, ever gone to the grave in 24 years. He's scared of going to graves. He doesn't like to go to graves. He doesn't like to think about death. He didn't go to the grave. Which makes it more traumatic for those people that are interested in biography of the Rav. I'm very interested in all these details. If you are, I don't know, but it made it very interesting when his wife died, the Rav went every day to the cemetery. He was managed like in hysteria when his wife died. But uh, the Rav was afraid of death and didn't go to cemeteries. The Rav thought it was terrible to think about that. That was the brisk theology. So they came to Reb Chaim and said, there's a Gemara. Can you put yourself back in 1890 for a few minutes? It's very hard to do, no? No computers, no televisions, no penicillin, we're talking in the 1890s. So they went to Reb Chaim and said to Reb Chaim, why do you object to thinking about death? So Reb Chaim said, it's debilitating. It's spiritually debilitating. A person thinks about death, he, he doesn't make any progress in the world, he doesn't do anything, he doesn't, he's not successful. They said, but it's a Gemara. The Gemara says to think about death. The Gemara says in Brachas that if the Yetzirah grabs a hold of you, 
So what should you do? So the Gemara says, take him into base matters. The Gemara says, say Kriyashma. The Gemara gives a whole bunch of ideas what to do. And the Gemara says, and if the Yetzirah is still on to you, yes, Kireyu Yom Hamafas. You should remind him that we're all going to die. What are you going to tell me? Do this Avera. This Avera is only temporary. I'm going to die in Olam Haba. It's permanent. And you should think about death. So they said to Abraham, you see, the Gemara says to think about death. How can you go against the Gemara? That's why I said we're back in 1890. Abraham looked at him and said, drink castor oil. Do you know what castor oil is? Yeah. Did you ever take castor oil? Do you know anything about castor oil? It's really gross. It's really gross. But in 1890, they thought that was the panacea for many, many illnesses. They didn't have penicillin. People were sick, they took castor oil. So Reb Chaim turns to this guy and says, take castor oil. The guy could not understand what he's talking about. He said to Reb Chaim, but castor oil is gross. He didn't use the word gross. But he said it's very bad. It's very bad tasting. So Reb Chaim said, but I don't understand. That's what we all do today. A person has a stomach ache. He has all kinds. He loses seven kilo. Whatever happens to him, he takes castor oil. He feels better. That's what they do today. So the man says, yeah, but that's if you're really sick. But if you're not sick, why should you take castor oil? You've got to be crazy to take castor oil. It's terrible. But you do it when you're really sick. So Chaim said, that's the Pshat Nikimai. If a person is really sick, Yetzirah really got him bad. So the Gemara says, I'll tell you what to do. Say Kriyashma, take him to the base Medrash. Take him to the base means learn. That's what it means. Go to learn the base Medrash. That's typical brisk. The Yetzirah got you. Go to the base Medrash. Learn, learn a piece of Rebchai. Learn Torah. You know, uh, I was once rather sick. And uh, I was in the hospital. And I was in intensive care. All story. So somebody came to see me. They couldn't get in. But my son was sitting by the by the door so and <laughs> I heard this much later a person came to my son and said and looked at him my son had a Reb Chaim in front of him he was learning a piece of Reb Chaim so my, this guy went crazy he said you briskers you're supposed to tell him what are you doing learning Torah my, my son he had to it had to be happened to be he had to give a shear in an hour so he was looking over what he needed for shear but we really believed that we really believe the Torah. I'm not saying you shouldn't say Tillim. But we believe in Torah. Torah is Mamisha Panacea. A person has a problem with Yetzar, go learn Torah. But Reb Chaim said, and then say Kriyashman, do all the patentin. You know what patentin means? It's a Hebrew word, patentin. All the tricks, right? That are said in the Gemara. But then the Gemara says, what happens if you really flunk it? What happens if you really fail? And, and, and the Yetzar has got you when you're really sick. Then you drink castor. That's what Reb Chaim meant, drink castor oil. He said, to think about that is really bad. It's mamish, what I called before, spiritually debilitating. However, if a person's really stuck, that's what he should do. That's the Pshat Nikimar. That's what Reb Chaim was supposed to, to Nevardik. He said, we're not really sick. If you're really sick, you should do it. The Nevardik, of course, answered that Reb Chaim was really sick. That the briskers were really sick. Not Reb Chaim per se. But they felt spiritually they're bereft of all spiritual benefits and they don't realize how sick they are and therefore they should drink castor oil. That's the way, or that's great. That was the story of the machlokas between Brisk and the Vardik. Back to this Rambam. 
So the Rambam says, since Rishus, what about me and the Rambam? Since Rishus is given to you, since you have a Chavshis, you should try to do tshuva. Going crazy, what do you mean you should try to do tshuva? Do tshuva. Secondly, why does Rambam talk so much about that? So, the Rav said, Pshat Nis Rambam, and this is printed. The Rav said there are two different types of tshuva. The easy way and the hard way. There are people that I can tell do tshuva. I can. And that's, like I can tell you to put in the film. There's certain times you cannot tell a person do this, because he's not capable of doing it. If you have a person, Rahmanov you're eighteen years old, maybe you're maybe you're too young, maybe you're not too young, I don't know. If you if you know a person who's a homosexual, can you imagine go over and tell him, stop because it's us sir? Can you imagine doing that? Do you think the guy knows it's us or doesn't know it's us? He has a problem. He's probably not happy with his problem in most cases. But he has a problem. And telling him it's us there is not going to solve this problem. He needs help. A person who is normal, like we all are, I hope, that we were... Are you a tzaddik? What does a tzaddik mean? I don't mean Chafetz Chaim tzaddik. I mean you have more mitzvahs than Averis. I would assume that most of us do. We all have Averis. I assume that's true. But I assume we all, you know, on the balance sheet... We walk in, it's time to do tshuva, to try to make ourselves better and everything else, but I don't think anybody really feels, I hope you don't feel that, mamish, I'm the worst person in the world and I did everything in the world wrong. You're, you got a lot to do tshuva for, don't make a mistake. you got to do tshuva, but we're okay. And therefore, I, can, I, I feel confident that I can walk into you and tell you there's a mitzvah to do tshuva, there's a mitzvah to do Are you going to tell me it's hard? You're right, it's hard. you got to try to do it. Because Baruch will help you. That's the way we talk to most guys. But the Rambam says, this is the way the Rambam explained. The Rambam says there's another person, another type of person. A person who is really down in the dumps. He is really in bad shape. A person that I cannot tell him to do tshuva. Not because he doesn't have to do tshuva. But because will it be conducive? I realize that I have to work with this guy. So the Ram says, before you do anything, tell him there's Bechir Chavshis. You think you're... A lot of people feel this way. I'm so bad, there's no way out. If you think, like like I said, mostly, we're, we all have a few mitzvahs, no? We all have a few sins. I assume that nobody here did any major super-duper sin. I assume not. You probably never did any super-duper mitzvah either. That's what we are. Little mitzvahs. And we can do better. But there's a guy who's going to feel so bad that he's mamish, doomed to perdition. So the Rav said, that's why the Rambam started again. Perik Aleph, Perik Beis, is talking to a normal fellow. But now we're talking to a different type of guy. A guy that I just can't tell him to tshuva. First I have to tell him, don't think you're doomed. There's no matter where you are, no matter how you are, you can do it. It's possible. And the Ram says, I tell this guy, you should try. I know it's hard. I can't tell you, go and do it. Because I know how hard it is. But I can tell you that you have and therefore you should really try to do it. This is a higher level, a deeper level of tshuva. 
that uh, is not cap- not everybody's capable of. The ultimate example of tshuva, I'm sure all of you heard, is a famous Gemara that all in Yeshiva Tichoniyot, I don't know where you learned, everybody here learned in a different place, but in Yeshiva Tichoniyot, the Ramim loved to talk about this Gemara because it's the height of tshuva. The Gemara tells a story in Avodah about this guy, real character, who, it's hard to, I can't even say it politely to you, he slept with every prostitute in the world that he could find. It's an unbelievable story. And then he heard that there's this uh, unbelievable prostitute someplace. So he goes to see her. And all of a sudden something happens and he realizes, oh my God, I'm, I'm wallowing in sin. This is mamish terrible. All of a sudden. So the Gemara says a famous story. Some of you remember it, right? Then he, all of a sudden he turns to the I don't remember the order of the Gemara. It makes no difference. He turns to the ocean and says, I can't do tshuva. Let the ocean help me to do tshuva. And the ocean says, I can't save you. I can't save myself. And they quote a Pasuk that, this, that the, the, the ocean will, whatever, melt, dissolve, whatever, when, when the Kosh wants. So he goes to the mountain and he says, the, help me do tshuva. And the heart says, I can't help you. I can't save myself. How can I save you? And they quote a pasuk: "Yaharim yamushu vagvaos tumutana." So he says. By the way, uh, I mean, I don't want to do it now, but I'll tell you something interesting. This Gemara became the source of a Negro spiritual. There's a famous Negro spiritual: "Run to the mountain, mountain won't you hide me? Run to the sea, sea won't you hide me?" What's interesting is the difference between the Negro spiritual and the end of the Gemara. But the idea of the Gemara is found in a very famous song that's Negro spiritual. You'll ask me, how do I know Negro spiritual? It's a good question. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a Rashi in the Chamesh. Rashi says, he didn't know what the Avnate was. So he says, I think the Avnate is what the girls wear when they go horseback riding. Remember? Rashi says, I'm not sure what the Avnate is. Really, I don't know. But my heart tells me, that's what Rashi says, Libi I think it's the, what the girls were on their horseback riding. Zayda Rebbe, who was a real right-wing character, so he said, how did Rashi know what the fancy girls were when they went on horseback riding? He said, Rashi knew Baruch HaKodesh. <laughs> so, I, one of my more... Um, Rational Rabbanin said to this gentleman, You're belittling Rashi and you're belittling Ruach HaKodesh. <laughs> so he said, How did Rashi know? So there's a Hasidish answer. My rabbi, who was more of a rationalist, said, Rashi lived in this world. He knew what people were. But this rabbi was a rational. Another Hasidish explanation was Rashi never looked at his, out of his Arabamos. They say Rashi always looked at the ground when he walked. He never looked at people, never looked at anything. So Rashi used to walk on the streets like this. So therefore he would never know. Apparently I do too. I also walk without looking at people. That's why I fell yesterday. <laughs> no, I really joke. I really. But Rashi says that, but Rashi never looked at his Arabamos. So the, the Hasidic Shabshad is that Rashi was once walking in the street and all of a sudden something happened and he got startled and he looked up. And he saw a girl walk, drive riding by on horseback. 
So Rashi said, why did God do this to me? I never look at it with my eyes. Why did I once in my life see a girl? It must be because what she was wearing is the outfit. <laughs> That's the reason. No. So, if you want to, you can believe that I know this Negro spiritual through a Hakadosh. Don't live so loud. <laughs> or I know because one time in my life I happened to pass a store where they were playing this Negro spiritual and made me think of the Gemara. Well, you can think I lived a normal life and once upon a time I heard a Negro spiritual. But anyway, the Gemara says that at the end this fellow said that it's, not, it's only up to me. There's no way I can do children. Nobody's going to help me. So he put his head between his knees, bent over, and started crying. The way we would explain it rationally means Imamish got so intense and so excited he had a heart attack and he died on the spot. And the Gemara says, famous Gemara, that a Paschal came out and said, Ashrecha Rabbi the radio with the two dollars. No? I think. Anyway, he said to him, Rabbi, that shows you can do tshuva. It might be very hard to do. But anybody's capable of doing tshuva. Anybody, no matter how bad you are, you're capable of doing tshuva. That's what the Ramam is saying here according to the way the Rav interpreted it. This Ramam is, does not say there's an obligation to do tshuva. This tshuva. Ram saying it's possible. And you are so sick that for you, I'm going to tell you that really you should think about that. For this particular person who's in such bad shape, I tell you, do tshuva because, because you should think about that. On the quite opposite approach. I'm sorry? On the quite opposite approach of saying, oh, you just try and do it. And saying, bringing all these I'm going to try my best to get him to do tshuva by scaring him by doing whatever I can. But I can't tell him you must do it. I'm telling you, it's good to do it. This might be the way to help you do tshuva by thinking about that. I'm gonna. I, I don't know. What, what do you have now? You have a chug. What? I don't know what the story is. What's t- to what time is this supposed to be? There's a sicha. Okay, so I just I just want to add one more thing. I'll, I'll go back to this rambam next time. We'll learn. We'll learn more of this parak inside. But this parak is one of the most. Beautiful stylistic prakim in the Homish Tatar. The Ramas talks about almost poetic how pretty it is to do tshuva. The Ramas says how nice it is to do tshuva, how sweet it is to do tshuva. There are a lot of expressions that I want to talk about next week, but the truth is that the phrases are still beautiful. Take a look, for example. In Halacha. It's so special, Tshuva. Yesterday, this jerk was removed from God. And I'm just skipping. He could scream to God, no answer. I'm skipping. He does a mitzvah, God doesn't want it. Vayom. That was yesterday. And today, he's attached to God. He's immediately answered. Baruch Hu loves you. Today, this bumper sticker that we love God, 
Because we love you. I can't stand it. I remember, it's a bumper sticker. You put it on the car. We love God. The Ram and the Hero is saying the opposite. God loves us. About Shuva, God loves. This is not stylistically normal for the Rambam. The Ram very rarely will talk about do tefillin. The person who puts on tefillin, Gevalda. Why? So I have a theory that I've mentioned once, twice, three times before. I have a theory that when the Ram tells me a normative halacha, he says, this is the halacha doing. When the Ram tells me something that he cannot feel in his clear conscience, he tells me, do it. So he says, try to do it. It's a good idea. And then he tells you how beautiful it is to do it. How wonderful it is to do it. Because, why does he emphasize how nice it is to do it? Because there are two ways of getting a person to do something. One, by telling me you got to do it. And the other, I can't say you got to do it, but, oh my God, is this wonderful to do. This is like the greatest thing in the world for you to do. I have a number of examples. One of those is for B'nai Kivanex, an interesting example. The Ram does not say that there's a mitzvah to go to live in Eretz Yisrael. Why he doesn't say it is speculative. But the Rambam in Hilchus Malachim talks about, wow, how wonderful is Lothar Yisrael. And he talks about how, the, how people used to kiss the stones of Eretz Yisrael. And he talks, the Mamish Wax is eloquent about how beautiful it is to live in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, I'm not going to go into it because you can look, read the Rambam for yourself. In Hilchus Malachim, I think, wherever Yud, the Ram talks so much. Why does he do it? I think it's the same thing. The Ram doesn't want you to say, doesn't want to say you have to do it, because he feels uncomfortable saying you have to do it. But I think intellectually honest, the Ram did not feel that you have to say it's a mitzvah of Eretz Israel. But the Ram said it's the right thing to live in Eretz Israel. It's a good thing. It's the it's the, the what God really meant for Jews to do. Therefore, he again talks about it, how important it is. There are many things in Judaism that I have a problem, because if I would fool you and tell you it's a chiyuv, al pidin, you must do it, so maybe you'll do it. But if I tell you it's a good idea, then I, you probably won't do it. But that's what the Ram is fighting against. There are many things in Judaism that are, it's really a good idea to do. I can't tell you you must do it, but it's really good. That's when the Ram begins to wax eloquent. We'll stop.